1: You are listening to Moneywise with Davidson Capital Management. Got the Money Wise guys back inside the MoneyWise studio. With me for this weekend show, I have my brother Jeff, Joe Rust, and I am your host, Kyle Davidson. For any new listeners to the MoneyWise program, Davidson Capital Management is a fee-only registered investment advisor with our 32nd year business and with offices in San Antonio and Corpus Christi. We have your investment management needs covered throughout Central and South Texas. But if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com, Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or receive a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And finally, if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise.com at DavidsonCap.com. As we kick off every weekend's MoneyWise program, I turn it over to my brother Jeff to go into the numbers from Wall Street from last week. So Jeff, take it away.
0: Okay, in the week just past, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up about 81 points or two-tenths of 1%. The S&P 500 last week was up a little more than 45 points or 1.1%. And the NASDAQ last week was up a little over 341 points or 2.6%. Now we just ended the first quarter of 2021. So let's go into the quarterly performance numbers for the first quarter of uh, 2021. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was up about 7.8%. The S&P 500 for the first quarter was up about 5.8%. And the NASDAQ for the first quarter was up about 2.8%. And finally, we come to our year-to-date numbers. The Dow is up 8.3%. The S&P 500 year-to-date is up 7%. And the NASDAQ year-to-date is up 4.6%.
1: And as we closed out the first quarter of 2021, this is the biggest outperformance the Dow Jones Industrial Average has had versus the NASDAQ going back to 2002.
0: Which would have been many, the, many second, ago. the second year of... The three-year bear market following the uh, dot-com crash. Wreck. Tech crash. wreck. But crash. Tech wreck. Tech wreck. No offense to Texas Tech, but that was a tech wreck. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I like that show. So the other, you know, that's one new story of the first quarter, the really reversal, the big reversal of uh, stocks, group, groups of stocks that have done the, you know, last year, it was all about the NASDAQ, and this year, it's mostly the Dow and the, and the S&P, and the, and the NASDAQ is kind of taking a, a back seat. The other big news of the quarter is changes in interest rates. Now, we started 2021 with a 10-year Treasury yield at about 0.92%. So it was below 1% when we began uh, 2021. And on Friday. Thursday. Th- pardon me, Thursday. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, Thursday, the 10-year Treasury went out. And please refresh my recollection what that number was, Kyle.
1: We went out on Thursday with the 10-year Treasury yield at 1.677%. That is a move.
0: So that's 70 <laughs> basis points, 7 tenths of a percent thereabouts. Uh, and So from a percentage terms. Uh, a substantial move in the 10 year treasury uh, and a, a relative, you know, number relative from nine, nine tenths to 1.7% we'll kind of round it off there. It, it, it's not, it, it's not going to uh, substantially improve someone's retirement if they got a hundred percent of their money in 10 year treasuries. Um, no. and, but I you know, I, will say the, the, I will say the I would say, you know, from a percentage move point of view, Given the statistics we just read read off about the year to date performance numbers, uh, you know, with the Dow that's a thirty two percent annualized rate we haven't even included dividends all these performance numbers we talked talked about so far don't even include uh, a dividends that accrued in the first quarter, which will add you know, a, 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 a raise the performance even higher and the the s p well that's going into twenty eight percent. Clip if you annual, annualize it out, and even the Nasdaq that's been, you know, in the back seat, uh, it's still. You know, we're talking seventeen percent annualized rate uh, through the through the first quarter. But, so, but let's
1: re- but, but let's remember back the Nasdaq through the middle of February. It was it was moving at an annualized clip that had been closer to eighty ninety percent. Mm-hmm. So we have gone through that corrective move since the Nasdaq high on February the fifteenth.
0: Right. <clears throat> We've been talking a lot about the Nasdaq underperformance, but the other thing I wanted to talk about in terms of stock groups, you know, let's talk about growth versus value. Uh, for through the first quarter, large cap growth stocks up one and a half percent. Large cap value eleven percent. Hmm. Mid cap growth one and a quarter. Pretty consistent between growth both in large and mid-cap, mid-cap value almost 14%. Then we come to small-cap growth, up 25 roughly for the quarter. Small-cap value up just shy of 17%. So, again, this reversal that we're seeing. Can you
1: seeing, say rotation?
0: Well, there's definitely been a rotation uh, from growth to value. Uh, there's definitely been a rotation from NASDAQ to non-NASDAQ stocks. Though on, on Thursday, the NASDAQ had a pretty, really nice first day of, uh, the new quarter. I think one of the best weeks it's had in, I think, a month. Uh, but still, you know, it, it, it's still behind the the other two indexes.
1: But that, but this is a big conversation, though, Jeff, that we've been having on every weekend's MoneyWise program since this, since we've been seeing this corrective move in the Nasdaq. Is is this a trade or is this a trend? Trade being a shorter term time period where we've seen this rotation from growth to value, from high PE to low PE stocks, it, 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 or is this going to be a trend where we're going to continue to see a more low lo, a more prolonged Rotation out of these higher price earnings multiple stocks and sticking with the value stocks, whether it's large cap, bid cap, or small cap. Now, with the way Thursday closed and with the day that the NASDAQ had, and April being consistently one of the best months for stock investing historically, going back a hundred plus years, are the higher PE momentum growth names going to start catching some buys? moving into April and into the summertime. Joe, something you wanted to add?
2: Well, no, there, there are a couple of factors that we can go into the next segment, and one of them was infrastructure. There was a lot of talk about that in the past week, but also the reopening uh, situation and what we're looking at for the last three quarters of the year really in the details of that are going to actually be – are going to have a direct impact on the numbers we just talked about regarding the large-cap value and large-cap growth, and we can talk about that a little bit more after the break.
1: Well, let's take our first commercial break. You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. Your MoneyWise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the MoneyWise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your MoneyWise guys. You can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office, toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at Davidsoncab.com. So if you're just tuning into this weekend's Money Wise program, we just reviewed in the last segment the numbers, you know, year to date, where we were for the quarter talking about the outperformance of the Dow versus the NASDAQ for the first time biggest outperformance for the Dow versus the NASDAQ going back to 2002 and this continued conversation that we've been having on the past weekend moneywise programs continuing on this weekend show again this this rotation that we have seen this past quarter out of the large cap mid cap small cap growth names higher momentum higher price earning multiple stocks into the value stocks whether it's large cap mid cap small cap and will this continue throughout the year and i know some of the big news from this past week and joe you alluded to it before we went to the commercial break is president biden came out with the first phase of his infrastructure plan and he you know he gave his speech on wednesday in pittsburgh and the big conversation is going to be, and what has been coming out of, out of especially out of the GOP is, is, is this Biden plan a Trojan horse, simply to raise taxes across the board, be it personal income taxes for people making more than four hundred thousand dollars a year and for corporations? Um, and I know that's definitely the war cry that is coming out of the GOP side of the aisle is that this is just a trojan horse because i know the other part of his infrastructure plan which he's going to be releasing in a week or two is the social infrastructure which i think is code word for socialism sorry i'm just going to call I it like, like i see I, knew I that was coming i don't sorry. know what
0: I, I you know i did not spend any time listening to the speech so i I'm not even sure what social infrastructure is. Someone's going to need to explain that. to me. I will
1: explain what his social infrastructure means is okay. that, all you know he's wanting to increase Medicare. I know that Bernie Sanders is real big on taking the Medicare age from sixty five to sixty. Okay, you know, it's a program that is definitely lacking funds. So just providing you know Medicare. I know they're talking about affordable housing. I, I know they floated the idea of a guaranteed minimum income. I don't know if you guys have heard what's going on in Oakland. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're not going to get into all that, but um, in Oakland, California. But but the bottom line is, is it's really coming out with more of the social programs that the left has been wanting for years and years, and then also part of the Green New Deal that he's trying to jam down our throats under the cloak of an infrastructure plan.
0: So the bottom line of all that is how much of any of these programs is investable? Is is it, well, well? Okay, it's get we'll get past one. And how much of that is investable? Well, changes to Social Security. There's not really an investable decision to be to be made there or medicare uh, or medicare uh, what the what's going to happen there is they're going to keep changing the income thresholds which you, you know right now there is no income threshold for <clears throat> medicare taxes to stop being collected they're going to probably change the threshold for social security taxes where now it's limited to a certain uh annual income they'll probably raise that or you know the worst case scenario they do away with it completely uh, but i don't think that's going to see the light of day the tax all i've heard from the tax plan is that they want to raise taxes on corporations hey, from i think 21 to 28
2: correct i haven't heard 28 i have not heard
0: or any details on it, the on it, personal taxes
2: corporate well, global tax at 21% that yeah that's right one. yeah judges, which, could judges, impact, judges, which could impact which could impact how we compete globally with with china india and other countries so well, that was, I would that, say, that's a big
0: that could be pretty big well, so far, the market doesn't seem to be very concerned about it because the very next day, which is April Fool's Day, if I'm not mistaken, we had pretty good day for the first we, quarter.
1: Well, we uh, did because, because the big $64,000 question is what's going to get through Congress? Because we do know there are some moderate Democrats that are not too big on making a dramatic change to tax policy, and we know the GOP completely opposes it when we're still trying to get a fuller head of steam behind right. the economy – and continue and recover from COVID because we still have states across this country that are still shut down. Now, all of us here in Texas, we feel like things are slowly getting back to normal. We're starting to go to businesses where we're not having to wear masks and it's a personal decision and not a mandate, but in other States, I mean, I talked to a client of ours in California and I asked him, how's everything going in California? He said, well, besides the weather, which is awesome, everything else is hell. And I said, well, Andy, be honest with me. And I mean, he started laughing. He said, it's horrible. He says it's horrible. And, you know, he's even thinking about relocating out of California. Uh, But he, he loves the weather. So there are other states that I think we all forget about, which are still, I would say, six, eight months behind where we are in Texas. And their economies are just continuing to go down the toilet because of these lockdowns. And the fact that we're holding up the CDC and you know All Saints Fauci, um, as as being the end all be all, and he's and he's been the most wrong person okay. on this entire situation, right. and he's never been elected to office of anything. But we listen to every we hang on every single word he says. Okay. So so the bottom yeah. the bottom line is is I personally don't feel like this is a time to be raising taxes or even you know you could maybe have the discussion. But this isn't something until we get the economy going again, till we see consistent GDP growth, till we get unemployment below double digits. And I'm talking about the U6 unemployment, which is north of 11%. This is not the time to be raising taxes because if people think that only people making over $400,000 are going to have their taxes affected, you're absolutely wrong. Every single person listening to this show is paying higher prices at the pump. That's a tax doesn't matter if you make $10,000 a year or $10 million a year we're all paying more at the pumps thank you biden administration so if they're going to be raising income tax and bringing back the death tax through these tax changes and this corporate tax is getting ready to go up who do you think is going to be passing these higher costs of taxes onto the consumer.
2: Well, Kyle, I hear you're getting a Prius, so it's not going to matter anyway for you in
1: about six months. So.
2: Well, 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 no, Joe, because we've got it. We've got to plug in the
1: Prius. We got to plug in the Tesla. That's and true. It, when, when, it, when it Kyle, yeah, but Joe,
0: list. Joe, when Kyle gets a Prius, I'll be growing hair on the top of my head. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, hey, that's not real. happening.
2: Kyle's getting a Prius, and yesterday was April Fool's. So there we go. That's yeah. right. Exactly. And that is actually the perfect April Fool's joke. Yeah, Kyle gets the, the Tesla get a Prius. truck. So. Yeah, the
1: <laughs> so, so so all I'm saying, so all I'm saying is is this is going to be the big fight in Congress that we're going to be seeing. Now there now I will say, and Joe, you got an article, and this might leak into the next segment. There are some things with the Biden administration's infrastructure plan and some conversations that were had on Thursday, some things that we do agree with as as a firm and as portfolio managers. Um, and I think the one thing that we have learned, particularly from Snowmageddon in some of the uh, breakdowns in the electrical infrastructure and not having parts available right then when you needed them, it really shows a lack of the stockpiling that I
2: think we should be doing. Well, you you said Snowmageddon. You also have, you look at the pandemic and we were talking about a shortfall in ingredients and certain things that make pharmaceuticals and drugs. And other things that that need to be tackled as well.
1: Well, and and I think those are some of the things in the infrastructure plan that we agree with. And the things that the Biden administration is talking about that we totally agree with is that we've been utilizing a JIT or just-in-time inventory system for our supply chain, for manufacturers across the country on the supply chain. And when you have Snowmageddon, when you have this global pandemic, it really – it's kind of like when Warren Buffett says when the tide comes out – you see the people that are swimming naked. And I think COVID was that tide that came out, and we saw companies across this country that were swimming naked with no inventory, with no stockpiles of supplies. And we're relying on this just-in-time inventory But system. you
0: understand why they, why companies do this.
1: No, I do. I do because it it's goes down to the bottom line. They don't want to carry a whole big supply of parts that they may or may not need. But I think it's wise, like Joe said, for us to have a stockpile of base ingredients for pharmaceuticals because right now we primarily get it from China. Well, we have one another bad meeting with China and they start restricting our supplies. We could have a real problem in this country. You know, if the one the one example that they were using and they were talking about Thursday on CNBC in the morning was Toyota in Japan because of some of the disasters that they've had, the Fukushima uh, meltdown and that disaster, plus the tsunamis that they've had. They've realized that they need to stockpile uh, microprocessors and chips for manufacturing of their cars. And so they keep a six to eight month supply just in case, as opposed to just in time inventory, they're doing just in case. So I think this is a good part of the infrastructure plan that power plants need to get equipment and store it. We need to get super process, you know, supercomputer processing and chips. We need to get that stockpile, which would be great for an NVIDIA or a LAM Research or a KLA, which are all stocks that we own in the portfolio. So there's going to be some companies that are going to benefit from this idea that we need to stockpile equipment and supplies just in case. Break glass and caves is an emergency type situation. And so I think that is the wise portion of the Biden infrastructure plan. And I know we're coming on a commercial break, so let's take a break. We'll continue this conversation when we come back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at DavidsonCap.com. So to just catch up, uh, everyone listening to this weekend's program, if you're just tuning in. We were talking about the first segment of the Biden administration infrastructure plan. We were talking about in the last segment. And we were actually talking about some things in the infrastructure program that we actually agree upon, and that is moving a lot of the manufacturers here in the United States and just utilities, pharmaceutical companies, uh, technology companies, getting away from a just-in-time inventory system in case of another global pandemic or some type of natural disaster to basically where we have a stockpile. And so, you know, we've been talking about the Biden infrastructure program and what parts of it could possibly be investable and i know joe you wanted to talk about that
2: sure and a couple of things and looking at an article earlier this week in market watch and the title of it was uh, these semiconductor stocks might benefit the most from biden's spending plan and interesting point, and i know i was not aware of this but back in february the semiconductor industry association wrote a letter penned a letter to president biden expressing concern about the production of semiconductors. Uh, domestically here in the United States. And and I wasn't aware of this, but they wrote that the U.S. market share in 1990, we used to have 37% of the global market share um, from semiconductor chip manufacturing, meaning we manufactured close to 37% of the chips globally. Well, now it's 12%. So what's an investable idea? Well, right there, it tells you, all right, if there's 50 billion of this, is going to go towards this particular area infrastructure in your traditional terms of streets, roads, bridges, those type of things. Yes, that's one play, which we've obviously we've invested in a couple of stocks to take advantage of that. But the other thing that you might not think about is where does technology fit in to infrastructure? And right there, just investing in chips, which we have uh, multiple semiconductor uh, positions in our portfolio. Um, Those are some ways that you could look at, how am I gonna go ahead and position my portfolio going through the, through the rest of the year? I, in my opinion, we've debated this. Is there a rotation of value to growth? In my opinion, I think through the end of the year, you're gonna see a broad particular rally, not just in the Dow or the value stocks, but also in the tech based off of this. But I think the ingredients and what's passed in the first part of the infrastructure bill could be critical to what's gonna perform well to the end of the year, along with the reopening place. But well, it's going to be absolutely critical
1: of what's going to get through. But I, I don't know if you know, the biggest the biggest opposition from the GOP is that this again this infrastructure plan is just a Trojan horse to raise taxes. And
0: how's it going to be? It's how's going to really, be paid? But but do they really do they really need to float an infrastructure plan to float a plan to pay taxes? To me, that the answer to that is no. They were always going to be putting a bill out to to, to raise taxes because we've got to pay for all of the. Uh, Covid-related stimulus packages that have been, you know, we just had another one uh, from this from this administration. Not to mention all the ones from the previous administration. So the the infrastructure plan, you know, <clears throat> Trump couldn't seem to get one through. They got distracted. I get rightly so by, by, the, by, by fighting Covid. Impeachments. They got they got well, no, and plus. Operation Warp Speed, the focus was on COVID, the focus was getting the vaccines made, the focus was getting the vaccines produced, and now they're getting in everyone's arms. The one thing that I, that if I could take a slightly different, uh, maybe differing approach or a different view from what, from what you guys are thinking for the remainder of the year, the only way that, in my opinion, the only way that, you know, what the scenario you're talking about, Joe, with this broad-based recovery in all, you know, stocks across all you know, different, you know, value growth, is the the growth stocks have gotta show E, meaning earnings. Uh, I've already talked about ad nauseum, and maybe a little bit here on the show about you know one particular stock, an example that an example that we still own They had a great first quarter earnings, and the stock has done nothing since those great first quarter earnings came out. Well, it was Apple. I think there are a lot of stocks in the, in in the tech space uh, that had good earnings in the first quarter, and their stocks have done absolutely nothing. What's going to happen? Are we going to get earnings here in the next few weeks? If we get more blowout, if we get really good earnings again, and these stocks do nothing, then I'm going to be moving more towards the camp that this isn't necessarily a trade. It's a trend. It's a trend until the value as quoted by the price of the stock it catches up to the earnings of the stock, which means the price-to-earnings ratios may be too high in some of those stocks, and so they're not attracting new investors. Those that own them don't want to own anymore, and those that want to buy them think that they're expensive, and so they're, they're, they're buying other things. So a
1: PE reset is basically what you're talking about, right. and I remember Apple just a handful of years back had a single-digit price earnings multiple, single-digit <laughs> price price earnings multiple but that's not, not what we have that's back. not the
0: way it is today that's the true. other thing is 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 our we had some of these companies come out and say things like yeah we had a great 2020 <clears throat> we're off to a good start in 2021 but we don't think it's going to be as good as 2020 that's or they don't not give guidance. Or that's, they don't give guidance at all well i um, i think we're getting kind of away from that no guidance uh talk I think we're getting, we're getting more and more companies giving guidance. Uh, those aren't necessarily great uh, uh, ingredients for the stock price to continue to go higher and higher and higher. It, that's a, more of an ingredient for the stock to, to kind of lay there like a slug, as Dad would say, and trend sideways to maybe slightly down until there's another catalyst for it to go higher. Uh, I
1: think the second quarter is going to be a real tell, Jeff. I mean, I, for, for the higher PE multiple stocks coming into this earnings season, I totally agree with you. This is going to be a big tell whether it is going to be a trade or a trend. I mean, obviously, the way that the market traded on Thursday, they're, with the NASDAQ coming out of the blocks hot and some of these names that we're talking about on the program catching bids. I mean, when you see what Lamb Research did on Thursday up almost 8% for the day, This this would, as we get through earnings season, and if these stocks do start catching bids, which means buys, (laughs) then maybe we're going to see some rotation and maybe some more balancing of portfolios. Because we already talked about on this program, from the beginning of the year, we started taking profits in our high-flying tech names. We started diversifying those assets into our dividend sleeve or the dividend side of our barbell on the stock side of the portfolio. Other managers across the country are doing the same. We went to an equally weighted strategy, which took even more profits out of these high-flying tech names. And so we're probably not in the boat alone no. as far as being a professional money manager that did that.
0: And we so had taken that- more profits in the first quarter in aggregate. We took another really big profit in a stock. Uh, Wednesday, was it Tuesday? Wednesday. 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 Uh, we've taken more profits in aggregate in the first quarter than we did in total in 2020. Uh, in, in all our individually managed accounts that own individual stocks, individual bonds, and we still have some more profits to take uh, with the rebounds that we'll probably be doing here in the next few weeks, uh, we're kind of now just, we're, we, we, we sold a stock, we replaced it with a stock. Uh, we, we, in essence, our portfolios right now, we're, we're, we're still short maybe one stock to get to about 65%. Uh, alloc- allocation in our moderate ad- asset allocation portfolios, and, and I don't see it's going to seventy percent anytime soon. We, we've got to hear, we got to hear some earnings. We've got to, we've got to get more vaccines out. We've got to. You know, now they're talking about the. There's another surge in in, in COVID cases. You know, it's the fourth surge. Um,
1: not, not in Texas. Not we've in, Seen cases drop seventeen. <laughs> you know, over the last seventeen days, we've seen cases going down. And France. Macron, Macron, he yeah. shut down France again. Let's see we the
0: understand. details. Let's see the details uh, of whatever this tax bill is. I think I've said it before that uh, history has shown that changes in capital gains taxes and personal income tax rates has not uh, been uh, a, a time period where they really necessarily need to make uh, big changes to portfolios because the, mark, the markets in, in historic, historically have not moved that much with changes in tax policy.
1: And let, me add, and let me add on to that, Jeff, because there was a great article that I did read this past week in Market Watch talking exactly about what you're talking about and not seeing huge changes to market conditions or any kind of corrective moves because of changes in tax code and or capital gains tax. But then the other situation we have, which I've mentioned on past Moneywise Wise shows, is the TINA acronym. There is no alternative. So even with all these tax law changes, if and when they come and what they finally look like, nobody knows, that's still up in the air. But really, when you get down to the end of the day and you're an investor and you're like, okay, I I can't survive off fixed income assets alone with a 10-year treasury paying you less than 1.7% for 10 years, I have to have some stock exposure. There is no alternative. We have to have stock exposure regardless of how nervous you are about the market or how nervous you feel that valuations have gotten way ahead of themselves, you still have to have stock representation in your portfolio to have any kind of growth potential to outpace monetary inflation. And when you're looking at over $4 trillion, that's trillion with a T of cash sitting on the sidelines, and you're not going to be making it in fixed income. It'll provide you safety. It'll give you a little bit of income, but not too many people are going to be retiring comfortably on less than 1.7 a year, 1.7 percent interest a year for a decade, it's just it's just not going to happen. There is no alternative. So even with a tax change or an overhaul to the tax code, I don't believe it is going to be de- a death knell into capitalism or the stock market as we know it. Let's take another commercial break. We're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. If you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office, toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to Moneywise at So just catching up any new, new, new listeners, if I can get that out <clears throat> on this weekend's MoneyWise program, you know right before we went to commercial break talking about the proposed tax plan. Don't know what it's going to look like. We've got some initial framework, but framework doesn't always necessarily lead to law. But the one thing I mentioned before going to commercial break is that any kind of tax law changes, I don't feel it's going to be the death nail to capitalism as we know it or the stock market because it really comes down to the acronym TINA. There is no alternative when it comes to investing because we're still in historically low interest rates. And I know Jeff mentioned at the beginning of the show how much interest rates have come up, particularly when you're looking at the 10-year treasury from the beginning of the year as a percentage move in interest rates. But still, when an interest rate on in a 10-year treasury is less than 1.7%, that's not going to be putting any retiree on easy street. Now, we've talked on past weekend MoneyWise programs when we do portfolio reviews and analysis, basically the second opinion that we provide to prospective clients so they can get a better handle on you know, what they actually own Is it working in concert together with one another? Is it playing against each other? Is it the right asset classes? Is it the right securities? Is it the best of breed securities? I mean, these are the things that we look at. Allocation. These are the things we look at when we do the second opinion portfolio reviews and analysis. And we talked, I know Jeff had worked with a prospective client that is now a new client of Davidson Capital that was highly allocated to stocks. And we talked about this. Uh, this new client last week. But Joe, I know that you've done a couple of portfolio reviews and analysis here recently where it's the complete opposite. And we need to talk about that because we've now run into a couple of portfolios that are too highly allocated to bonds and the dangers of that.
2: Well, and we were talking about interest rates at the beginning of the show and and, in the process of doing these reviews, you know, a couple of, of prospective clients or that were taking advantage of a, a review, we went through there, and they're about fifty percent stocks, fifty percent bonds. But in the bond allocation—guess where a majority of the bonds were? in their in their complete portfolio analysis—they're in intermediate bonds. And I'm looking at one particular bond that is in multiple four hundred one k plans, not that just what we have, but you know, a, a typical is this a bond inter-
1: mutual fund. Is this
2: a bond yeah. Mutual so year to date. At the end of the quarter, a typical intermediate bond fund. This is one of the best funds that's out there. It's a five-star fund. It's down about 3% for the year. So when we talk about reevaluating your portfolio, you can't have too much exposure to bonds and, and, and to fixed income and cash, especially if you're these particular prospects are right, about 60. They're 5 to 10 years away from retirement. You need to make sure you're taking a look at that. Understanding how interest rates do work and what can happen to the portion of your bond portfolio um, and reallocate appropriately. And that's the value of actually talking to an advisor, having a sit down, reminding, being reminded of how interest rates work, what can happen to your bond portfolio. And really, beginning at the end, beginning of the year, why we allocate a little bit more to dividend-paying stocks because we want to take some of that interest rate risk off the table while perhaps uh, participating in some of the reopening uh, of the economy that we saw later in the year well i think we it's also, later in the year.
1: I, I think it's also you know the other reason why we built the dividend sleeve is because we aren't able to earn as much interest income on the fixed income side of the portfolio so we wanted to be able to increase the amount of of interest and in, through the dividend paying stocks income into the portfolio and using some of our dividend paying stocks is what we call bond surrogates And so we built a portion of the stock portfolio with these bond surrogates, whether it's an asset builder portfolio or an individual stock and bond portfolio at Davidson Capital. We have the securities to represent that in all the different portfolios that we have. But it's a very important point, Joe. What you're talking about with this prospective client is when you look at the fact that they're an intermediate bond mutual fund, they had too long of a duration. And this is something, Oh gosh. I mean, we've been talking about this for years on the money wise program, that if most individual investors are owning bonds through either bond exchange traded funds or through mutual funds. And when you don't own individual bonds, You as the investor, you don't have control over the bonds being bought and sold within the portfolio and your assets are commingled with other investors that have different goals and time horizons you do. And so in an interest rate environment like we're in, we've been stressing for years now that you have to pay attention to a mutual fund or an ETF that that invests in bonds into the duration because duration is measured in years. And it basically gives you a rough estimation of how interest rate sensitive your bond mutual fund or bond ETF is. The higher your duration, the more interest rate sensitivity it has. So if interest rates move against you, like they have for all bond investors this year with interest rates going up, meaning the value of the bonds have been going down, the longer your duration means that your losses are exacerbated even even larger and in your this situation with this prospective client you see that they're down 3% in a bond portfolio and and there is this this misconception of investors across the country that you can't lose money in bonds and that's a that's not true you can lose money in bonds trust me you can lose money in bonds and so you have to get a handle on your duration and how you're positioned in the portfolio, and if these are things that you don't want to have to deal with and you don't understand how they work, this is when hiring a competent professional money management team like us here at Davidson Capital Management to handle that for you. Yeah, Jeff.
0: So we got a little bit of time left. I want to talk real quick along the same lines about bonds. When I uh, was speaking of that prospective client that was 100% invested in stocks uh, in their 401k, this week I I, uh, gave them a different asset allocation that was more in line with the asset allocation and the moderate asset allocation portfolio that he should be invested in. When I was reviewing his investment options, he only had two bond choices. One was an aggregate bond market index and the other one was an inflation protected bond index. Both of these have negative returns year to date. Even the inflation protected bonds had negative returns year to date. A lot of folks out there that in their 401k plans, they don't have a lot of choices in their bond mutual funds or, or, the, or the bond portion of the portfolio. So my suggestion and what I did with this particular uh, client is I used the stable value fund, which is like a turbocharged money market fund yes. as the fixed income portion of their portfolio because neither of the choices that were available were good choices in my opinion.
1: And if you'd like to have a deeper conversation, you can always give us a call. Davidson cap 1-800-275-2162. Well, with that, we're coming up to the top of the hour break before we head out for this weekend show. I'd like to thank, we'd like to thank everyone for listening to this weekend's money wise program to have a happy and safe Easter. And for our listeners on 1200 WAI, if you'd like to catch the second half of this weekend's money wise program, you can go to davidsoncap.com and click the radio show link to catch that, plus, plus past Money Wise shows. And for Money Wise listeners on 1360 KKTX and Corpus Christi, stay tuned because when we come back from the top of the hour break, we'll be diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program and continuing with investor education. So stay tuned, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at one 800 275 And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the Money Wise program, you can send all your emails to moneywise
0: at davidsoncap.com. If you missed the first hour of Money Wise, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Click on the radio show link where you can listen to today's show as well as past Money Wise programs. You can also subscribe to our iTunes feed by clicking on the blue note in the upper right-hand corner of our homepage at davidsoncap.com. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome.
1: So now that we're in our second hour this weekend's Money Wise program, and again, like really wanting to use the second hour for investor education, uh, a topic that we have been discussing for the nine-plus years uh, we've had the Money Wise program here on 1360 KKTX, I, it's, it's a topic that I wanted to revisit, go into a little bit more detail about. And for any longtime listener of this program, they know – uh, our disdain, our distaste, our dislike, or I should say just straight out plain hatred of annuities of any way shape or any any shape and form. And so the reason why uh, I've been motivated to, to talk more about this and go into deeper investor education this on this weekend show is just here recently working with some prospective clients have been seeing more equity indexed annuities, which are the most dastardly of all annuity products out there, and wanted to really give the education and pretty much a blanket warning to any investor, any listener of this program thinking about getting involved in this type of product to not only get up and walk away, but to get up and run away. And so I want to just go into some education. So let's just start kind of from the very beginning. You know, what is an annuity? An annuity is a contract between you and an insurance company in which the company promises to make periodic payments to you starting immediately or at some future time. So if the payments are delayed, that's called a deferred annuity, and if the payments start immediate, it's called an immediate annuity. Bottom line, the definition of annuity is periodic payments. I mean, really, that's what it is.
0: The key word in that statement that you just made, Kyle, is the word promise. Mm-hmm. It is not a guarantee. That's right. Now, there are, for whatever reason, the insurance industry is allowed to use that word... The G word. ...as part of the marketing pitch. hmm When in reality, it is nothing more than a promise. Because as we've said uh, since the beginning of this show in 2005, there is only one only guaranteed investment, and that is government u s government bonds bills and notes that's right that's the only guaranteed investment anything else is nothing more than a promise it's a it, it really it's like you said jeff it's a sales pitch
1: it's in the sales pitch because that the g word as we call it the get word guaranteed gives the potential buyer, that warm and fuzzy feeling that I'm protected under this, this blanket of cover, this blanket of guarantee, and that's, that's not true in the world of annuities. So annuities really come in two types, fixed and variable. Now, a fixed annuity, the insurance company guarantees, quote-unquote, guarantees both the rate of return and the payout. A variable annuity's rate of return is not stable. And it varies with stock, bond, money market funds that you choose as investment options. And there is no guarantee that you will earn any return on your investment, and there is risk that you will lose money in the variable annuity contract. So those are just kind of the two basic, main basic annuities. Now we get over to what is an indexed or equity indexed annuity. The new marketing term that they're using now, Jeff and Dad, is a hybrid Annuity, which is starting to show up at
0: uh, at lunch and dinner seminars across the city, a hybrid annuity. This, the equity indexed annuity product, mm-hmm. is on the radio as 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 it's almost as heavily marketed now as gold is. I'd probably say in some instances more. Jeff. You know, I don't see, I do not see on television a lot of pitches for equity indexed annuities. But whether it's satellite radio, whether it's terrestrial radio, uh, there are radio shows all across. You know, we, we hear, as we're driving across the state of Texas, there are probably five equity-indexed annuity-based radio pitch shows for every one registered investment advisor uh, type show, like we have it here with uh, Money Wise on KKTX. There, th- there'll be five others, and uh, we know of at least two or three in the San Antonio market to do nothing but pitch equity and extenuities. Mm -hmm. And we know for a fact in every large market in this state, there is a radio show either running on Saturday or Sunday whose one and only basis of running that show is to promote equity-indexed annuities. And every
1: show is just repetitive, 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 trying to drill in all their marketing techniques and some of the outrageous claims that they can make. And as we get further in this education, I'll explain why the salespeople of equity indexed annuities can make such outrageous claims in their sales pitches. So what is an equity indexed annuity? An EIA, for short, has characteristics of both a fixed and variable annuity. The return varies more than a fixed annuity, but not as much as a variable annuity. Now, I need to educate our listeners that equity indexed annuities were created in the late 90s to compete against CDs. Now, Jeff throughout the history of of the advent of CDs are CDs known for being high rate of return givers no or earners
0: they're 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 basically one step below government bonds in okay. terms of in terms of safety I and mean, in, in return and in, in return you know CDs are Back, if you buy a CD at a commercial bank and it has FDIC insurance, mm-hmm. and you buy the CD under the FDI insurance limits, then you are covered by the FDIC insurance program. If so, if that bank should fail, so, so with this in mind, knowing that equity indexed annuities were
1: created in the late 90s to compete with CDs, that should tell you right off the bat that your rate of return is going to be low. No matter what pitch the salesperson on the other end of the on the other side of the desk is giving you, know in the back of your mind these things were created to compete against CDs. And so you might be looking at a rate of return slightly higher. And when I say slight, I'm talking slightly higher than what you could get in a fixed annuity. And as we get further into the education, I know we're bumping up on a commercial break, you'll see that with a rate of return that might slightly be a little bit higher than a CD or slightly a little bit higher than a fixed annuity of why you'd want to avoid these things like the plague when we really start to get into the guts of how these things are actually composed. And we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after these words. Welcome back. You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070. Or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise.com. At davidsoncap.com. So, continuing our education about equity indexed annuities and why you should avoid these things like the Black Plague, um, just going into the basics of what exactly it is an equity indexed annuity, again, has characteristics of both a fixed and variable annuity. Uh, And again, these things were created back in the late 90s to compete against the returns of CDs. So if you're thinking about buying an equity indexed annuity, you can know right off the bat, no matter what pitch the salesman gives you, that your rate of return might be a little bit higher than that of a CD. But as we get further into this education, you will see how illiquid these things are and how horrible these products are. And we're doing our best to educate our listeners to avoid this so we will stop seeing prospective clients coming into our office having bought these horrendous products. Um, so let's get back to the EIA. Now, equity indexed annuities offer a minimum rate of return, or rate of interest, and an interest rate linked to a market index. Uh, now, what is the guaranteed minimum rate? Well, typically the guaranteed minimum rate is at least 87.5% of the original premium paid. Uh and that interest rate is going to vary depending upon insurance company of about 1 to 3%. I mean, that'll be your minimum rate of return of 1 to 3%. Now remember, if you surrender the equity indexed annuity early, you will have to pay a significant surrender charge and a 10% tax penalty which will reduce or eliminate any returns and i wanted to talk about that if you're funding annuities and this goes for equity indexed annuities fixed annuities variable annuities if you're funding annuities with after-tax dollars and you're pre fifty nine and a half if you take out any money from that annuity whether it's a full surrender if it's a ten percent free withdrawal when you receive those dollars a portion of those dollars would be considered gains and taxed as ordinary income And you would have to pay a 10% early withdrawal penalty. Now, the tax consequences of annuities are typically not disclosed by the salesperson. The salesperson only talks about how great the tax-deferred growth is, but they don't explain to you that when you pull money out of an annuity, how it's taxed, uh, really the detrimental tax effects it has on the way coming out. And that's something that everyone needs to keep in mind. What we have found, Jeff and I and Dad, what we have found when salespeople are selling annuities, they sell based on half-truths. They only tell you half of the story. They only tell you the good part of the story. They never tell you the bad part of the story, because if they told you the bad part of the story, you would never sign on the dotted line. You would never, ever in a million years buy any type of annuity product If they gave you the full truth about these products, and that's what we're here doing today is giving you the full truth about these products to really educate you so you know going in that if this product is pitched to you or positioned to you, you will get up and walk away from the table. So how good is this quote-unquote guarantee? As Jeff and I said earlier, guarantee is only as good as the insurance company that wrote it. So it's not a guarantee. It's a promise. And when it comes to these quote-unquote promises, something else that an annuity salesperson will not tell you is that the state of Texas has a state insurance trust where basically that trust is in place in case an insurance company goes out of business. Well, in the state of Texas, the maximum amount of restitution you could receive back from this trust fund at the st- in the state of Texas, if an insurance company that you had assets with went out of business, is a quarter of a million dollars. So if you go and put a half a million, six hundred thousand, a million dollars, whether it be a fixed annuity, equity indexed annuity, or variable annuity, and this insurance company goes belly up, the most you could receive back from the state of Texas would be a quarter of a million dollars. Something else a salesperson is not going to tell you when they're selling you this product. And I can tell you this. During the financial crisis, if we as taxpayers hadn't bailed out AIG with a $186 billion bridge loan to cover their books, the annuity business as we know it would be dead. Now,
0: you don't ever see any stories about that. Nope. We we talk about it. I mean, we talk about it, but but the, but the fact of the matter is, this is a this is a secret part of the financial crisis that's never ever discussed. That's right. And unfortunately, the salesmen that were pitching these products prior to the financial crisis really haven't changed their story. It's the same story.
1: No, the financial crisis, Dad, actually gave them more fire for their sales pitch because annuities... Well, in partic- fear
0: has got higher.
1: And yeah, well, particularly equity-indexed annuities, they're sold based on fear. And really, annuities in general, but especially equity-indexed annuities are sold based on fear. So the 2008 financial crisis has done nothing but bolster... Equity indexed annuity sales because they can pray, the salesman, yes, and I use the word, they can prey on your fear, on your uncomfortableness and say, you know what, Mr. and Mrs. Client, I've got the product for you. All the upside of the S&P 500 with none of the downside. How could you go wrong? That is the sales pitch. That is a sales pitch, and it's a
0: flat-out lie. And, and here's the, here is the, the thing about that sales pitch. If you listen to it very carefully, and you hear the, you'll you hear, hear this on the radio shows that promote this product, all the upside, none of the downside. So it's a heads, I win as an investor, and tails, the insurance company loses. I want you, that doesn't exist. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. How does an organization stay in business if the market go, goes up 10%, well, you get 10%. And, and if the market goes down 10%, well, you get the guaranteed minimum rate of return, which might be 1% to 3%. So you, you win either way. Think about that logically for a second. There's no such thing as a free lunch.
1: And, and here's something else. Here's something else that's thrown into the sales pitch. Mr and Ms. Klein, I'm not making a commission. Yeah, that's I don't make anything. I don't make anything on selling you this product. I'm doing this purely out of the goodness of my heart because I work for free. Right. That is another part they don't, of the pitch. They
0: don't go quite that far, but, but the, the Oh really? I, I you, you may be <laughs> Sorry. you You may be making it a little more dramatic. You may little be little making it a little more dramatic. But there isn't a line item on this on the quarterly statement that comes to the to the client that says sales commission, because the sales commissions are paid directly from the insurance company into the salesperson's pocket. Okay, so getting back to equity indexed annuity, so how are the
1: equity indexed annuity interest rates compounded, the rate of return compounded? Well, again, the indexed, when they talk about index, typically a lot of them use the S&P 500, and... The index linked gains depends on the particular combination of indexing features that the EIA uses. Now, a lot of equity indexed annuities talk about participation rate, meaning how much of the linked index are you going to be participating in? So the participation rate determines how much of that gain in the index will be credited to the annuity. For an example, an insurance company might set the participation rate at 80%, which means that the annuity would be credited with 80% of the gain experienced by the index. Now
0: that sounds good. So if the s and is up 10%, then well, theoretically you'd say, okay, well, I want to get 8%. That's right. Or some a lot of equity indexed annuities talk about a
1: 100% participation. So you as the customer thinking, wow, I get 100% participation of the S&P 500 index, so I get all the upside, but then if it goes down and the market goes to zero or less than zero, I get the guaranteed minimum return. Man, what a great deal. I can't believe these products haven't been around forever. Why doesn't everyone own these? That's the good part. Let's actually get a little bit deeper and talk about what every equity-indexed annuity has that's buried deep in their 100-plus page prospectus. They have what's called an interest rate cap. And what happens is equity-indexed annuities put a cap on the upper limit of your return. And this cap is generally stated as a percentage. So let's say that this maximum rate of interest the annuity will earn, for example you have a cap of, say, 4%. So the market goes up 10 The S&P goes up 10%. You're capped at 4 That's the maximum amount of money that you can make. That's the maximum amount of credit that can be credited back to your account. And I'm oversimplifying right. this because I don't want to just bore our listeners to sleep, but there are very complicated, convoluted, mathematical equations that are used to create the interest rate that's credited to the account. And I can assure you, it's not to the benefit of the policyholder. It's to the benefit of the insurance company that's providing and created the indexed annuity. And here's another little kicker. Equity indexed annuity companies pitch the interest rate caps. They pitch the participation rates. But guess what? How long do you think that those rates are guaranteed in a typical equity indexed annuity contract? Short periods of time,
0: less than One year. year. One year. One year less.
1: Equity indexed annuities have the ability, and most of them do this, that I've done research on, to adjust those guaranteed interest rate caps and participation rates after the first year they reset them and they do not have to notify you of them. So what they do is they get you with the teaser rates, get you to sign on the dotted line, get you locked up into extremely long surrender pen- penalty periods, and then 12 months later, the rug is pulled out from underneath you and your equity indexed annuity. We're going to come to the bottom of the hour break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after the news. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise.com at DavidsonCap.com. So before we went to the commercial break we were talking about how insurance companies that sell equity indexed annuities link interest rates. Or basically how your annuity is credited with a rate of return. We talked about the participation rates. How a lot of equity indexed annuities will pitch hundred percent participation in the linked index which sounds great. But then you get down to the part of the contract where it talks about the rate of return caps that the equity indexed annuity uh, basically has in place to where they might cap you at a maximum of a 2% rate of return per month. So if the market was up 5% in one month, you might only get two. Um, But again, before we went to the bottom of the hour break, what I have found in my research is that equity indexed annuities give you a one-year teaser rate to get you to sign on that dotted line and then after 12 months of signing that contract, everything changes. Participation rate changes. Interest rate cap changes. And, again, it's to the detriment of your account and to the betterment of the insurance company. That and that is a sales pitch. That I, is a sales tactic.
0: And I don't mean to steal any into your thunder, no, okay. but there is, there is another teaser that draws clients in.
1: Oh, thank you, Jeff, for bringing that up. That is the bonus That is given on the premium, and and, and we use the word premium because an equity-indexed annuity is not an investment vehicle. It is an insurance policy, and we'll talk about why that's important in just a little while. So when you're buying an annuity, the money you're putting into it is called a premium, just like if you were buying a life insurance policy. Uh, And so the one thing that we always say to to anyone thinking about buying an equity-indexed annuity Why would an insurance company, if this product is so good. All the upside, none none of the the downside. downside, Why would an insurance company need to motivate a buyer with a 10% or 15% upfront bonus? And I'm talking 10% of what you're investing. So if you're putting in $100,000 with a 10% bonus, they're going to say, Mr. and Mrs. Client, we're going to give you $110,000 of your original premium." So we're going to give you ten free thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars for free to buy this product. Now think about that. If this thing was as good as the salesman is making it out to be, why would they need to give you a bonus?
0: It's all marketing.
1: It's all marketing. That
0: it's to get your sales juices going so where you no, will go inside and get out of you would get greed. I mean, how many how many right. investment products can you buy? I mean, if you were to buy a mutual fund... You go on the paper and, oh, here's this Vanguard fund. Well, if I buy this Vanguard fund, they're going to give me an extra 10%. If I put $100,000 into it, it's now going to be worth $110,000. Mm-hmm. You see any, any mutual funds offering any, any sort of teasers to get you in or individual stocks? Heck no. No. This is, the, this is one of the only products that I know of that, that in order to entice people to sign on the dotted line, they, they sweeten the pot. With these bonuses, but you must stay in that investment for the entire. Well, there's different. There's different investing yeah. schedules. There's for different the bonus. investing. But but I can you can bet your bottom dollar yeah. that you're going to have to stay in this investment for an extended period of time to ever actually see any benefit from that bonus. And When I say extended period of time, and we're talking ten years or more.
1: Yeah, and we'll get to the surrender penalty
0: penalty periods in just a second,
1: uh, you know, and again, as I've I've said to anyone thinking about buying these, if they have to entice you with free money, if this thing is really that good as it's being presented, they wouldn't have to give you anything. Well,
0: if they were really that good, Kyle, why would we even need to be buying stocks? And why would we need to be buying exactly. bonds? And why wouldn't you be buying mutual funds? And why would all these other organizations in the United States that are selling uh, that are managing people's money. Why would, why would we need to be spending all this time about trying to figure out what's going on in the markets? All we got to do is stick it in these equity index news going to get all the upside and on the downside and a bonus on top of it. And why would the majority of major insurance companies not offer this insurance product? And, and, you, and you bring up a good point uh, that of the
1: 20 largest insurance companies in, in the country, that 19 of them avoid it. Like the plague, and don't touch it with an 11 foot pole, let alone a 10 foot pole. And most equity indexed annuity providers are smaller lower credit quality insurance companies, primarily located in the Midwest. You'll see them in Iowa. You'll see them in Missouri. You'll see them in Kansas. You know, you don't see the Met Lifes of the world. You don't see the Prudentials. You don't see um, the principles of the world getting involved in these New types Life. of products. New York Life. They don't sell these types. Now, they sell variable annuities, and we're not going to go there because we don't like those either, but uh we're focusing primarily on the equity index annuities. And our listeners have probably heard us keep using the word product, product, product. In- listeners have to understand, everyone has to understand, this is an insurance contract. This is not a security, which means that FINRA, which is the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and the Securities and Exchange Commission do not police these products. Which also means they do not police the words that are coming out of salesmen's mouths when they're selling these. It's up to every state board of insurance to police these. And I can tell you with past conversations I've personally had
0: with the state board of insurance, I think they're really behind the curve. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Kyle, but... Haven't some of the major brokerage houses banned the sale of these types of investments? Well,
1: in fact, FINRA, if you have a 7, Series 7, which is a license to sell financial security, stocks, bonds, options, what have you, um, they are really recommending you not sell these products and that if you do want to sell these products, you have to go through quite a few hoops to even get the authority to sell them. FINRA would prefer any... Financial salesperson, typical stockbroker, to not sell these products. And in fact, there is an alert, an investor alert on the FINRA webpage. You can go to brokercheck.com or FINRA to actually read about the investor alerts on equity indexed annuities and how complex they are and how convoluted they are. And they're made that way and they're designed that way for a reason. So the salespeople that sell indexed annuities are not regulated by FINRA. They're not overseen by the Securities and Exchange Commission. They only answer to the State Board of Insurance, which means that in their marketing pitches, they can make some absolutely outrageous claims. And when they turn out not to be true, they simply get a minor slap on their hand from the state board of insurance, and
0: just to kind of for some of our listeners that uh, weren't listening to us in two thousand five, two thousand and six, we actually turned into the state board of insurance a particular radio show that was promoting equity indexed annuities, and, uh,
1: and, one show, and in one, one show, in one in one hour, they had twenty six noted violations in their sales practices and the sales pitches they were making. You know, continuing on EIAs, they carry extremely high fees and pay outrageous commissions to salespeople. In fact, I found a study conducted by two PhD mathematicians for a firm called Securities Litigators, where they have found that approximately twenty percent of premium Paid into an equity indexed annuity goes directly into the pocket of the insurance company that created the EIA and to the sales force.
0: And you keep saying EIA
1: equity, equity index annuities. annuities. So if you're given so if you're buying an equity index annuity, putting a hundred thousand dollars into it, you can almost assure yourself that about twenty thousand dollars of that is going into the pocket of the salesperson and the insurance company that has created the product. And you might say, Well, Kyle, I put in a hundred thousand dollars, and I've got a hundred thousand dollars in my account. That is true. But guess what you do have? You have anywhere between 10 to 17 years of surrender penalty period. Yeah, you heard me right. 17 years. I'm reviewing accounts right now for a prospective client that has 17 year surrenders, which means that if you want to get out of this thing, you're going to be hit with a massive back end sales charge to cover a huge amount of commissions paid to the salesperson that sold these things. Now, equity indexed annuities, again, because it's not an investment product, they can pay double-digit commissions to the people that sell them. Why do you think they're so popular for insurance agents?
0: And why do you think they run radio shows all over the state, all over the country? Because they pay big commissions. That's right. Um,
1: and so we, you know, we talked about the surrender pe- penalty period. You know, I've done a bunch of research on multiple equity indexed annuities, and what I have found, running numbers back, and in fact, I've I've seen some where numbers have been run back to 1950. I've seen numbers run back to 1962, and I can tell you that from the research I have done, you're looking at historical rates of return for some very popular equity indexed annuities that are out there right now being sold. Returns ranging anywhere from one5 to 2% annualized per year.
0: This is where we go back to the statement that we made in the first segment of this educational portion of the program that said that these equity indexed annuities over the long term – don't re- return just maybe slightly more than you you might receive in a CD or, right. or a government bond in, in the current interest rate environment. That's right. So let's talk about their, uh, the extremely poor liquidity
1: that equity indexed annuities provide. Now, all annuities, all annuities provide a 10% free withdrawal where you can take 10% of your money out without any kind of surrender penalties or what have you. But what happens if you lock up your retirement assets in an equity indexed annuity, variable annuity, fixed annuity, and God forbid you had an emergency and you need to get a hold of more than 10%? Well, in an equity indexed annuity, you could be hit with rear-end surrender charges 20% plus to get this money out. So there is extremely poor liquidity in equity indexed annuities. Coming up to our last commercial break, we're going to take the break. When we come back, I'll be wrapping up the equity indexed annuity education, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at DavidsonCap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906 0070 or toll free at 1 800 275 2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So before we went to the break, I was talking about the lack of liquidity in equity indexed annuities, and really annuities in general, only allowing up to a 10% free withdrawal. Uh, Anything above that, particularly in equity indexed annuities, you can be hit with substantial rear-end commissions or rear-end surrender charges, as we call them, or contingent deferred sales charges is another way uh, to describe them. So again, they have a real lack of liquidity. Now as i was talking about how extremely complicated these products are you know they're complicated to keep purchasers in the dark so the salesperson can can continue to make outrageous claims and sell their perceived advantages to the purchaser but because the product is so complex and you need to be a phd in math and mathematics to figure them out it, it, it makes it to where the purchaser doesn't have the ability to ask any questions because they were so complex and, opa- and opaque when it comes to, to how they actually are structured and how they work. And equity indexed annuity salespeople are really targeting the financially unsophisticated. Uh, because, again, once you sign on that dotted line and your 10-day or 15-day free look period is up, for the annuity, you're trapped. There's nothing else you can do. If you want out of this thing, you could possibly get hit with a 20-plus percent sales charge trying to get out of this thing. Uh, You know, and what, again, doing my research earlier this week, I ran across an insurance company out of Iowa that in the state of California, there's currently a class action lawsuit against them where they're being accused of violating the RICO Act. Now, for those of you all that don't know, the RICO Act was used to break up racketeering and basically organize crime back in the 70s and 80s, and the fact that an equity-indexed annuity provider, in this company in particular has over $21 billion of assets, they're being accused of violating the RICO Act. That's pretty. That's pretty significant. I would say, wouldn't you say, Dan? Yes. That someone's getting accused, and actually, I believe they've already lost, uh, and they're now having to pay a huge settlement. And and really, what the the lawsuit stemmed from was the targeting of elderly people to buy equity indexed annuities, and that's really where this California class action lawsuit is really aimed at this particular insurance company. Was because of their very deceptive and really predatory sales practices that they were using in equity indexed annuities. I mean, predatory to the point that Chris Hansen of Dateline NBC did a, what was it, like a one hour or two hour expose on the deceptive sales practices of equity indexed annuities. And he's known for the catch a predator. Well, this is to catch a financial predator. It
0: was because his mother had been approached by uh, this. A salesperson. A salesperson. That's what got him into it.
1: And and so somewhere out there on the Internet, and this was from a few years ago. Yeah, it was several years this ago. This was several years ago. And, again, any longtime listener to this program know that we are disdained for annuities of all shapes and forms. But equity-indexed annuities is what really gets me fired up because they are so worthless
0: well, they're, they're the bluebonnet plague of all yeah, of products all, of all that products. we've ever come across,
1: and and you know we're doing our best to try to end the sales of these. But when you see these high commissions, and because they're targeting unsophisticated investors, they get taken by these fantastic-sounding sales pitches, and then realizing after they sign on that dotted line, whoops, I made a huge mistake, but it's going to cost me a fortune to get out of this thing and to fix my mistakes. We're trying to educate our listeners to avoid making the mistake in the first place. Has there
0: been anyone in the last nine years since we've been doing this radio show that called our office that said that they had an annuity of some type and after getting a few questions answered and looking at a statement, realizing that they had an equity-indexed annuity and then explaining to them that the markets did X and their particular investment did far less than X, have we ever had anyone express their pleasure that they bought one of these years ago?
1: No. in, in, In fact, the prospective client right now that I'm working on was just doing some analysis on their EIAs Got an EIA that's had since around two thousand six, since two thousand six, um, his performance return up fifteen percent, moderately allocated, asset builder account at Davidson Capital Management, actively managed, close to ninety percent after same, man, all fees after and expenses. all fees and expenses. That's a huge difference. That's a huge difference. When you annualize that number, when you annualize that number out, again, they're making just above what a CD would return. But I, I can almost assure you that the sales pitch being used was all of the upside, none of the downside. And I do know, and again for education, this prospective client had told me that another big pitch to him was that annuities was the only way to shelter your assets from lawsuits. That is an absolute lie. There are a multitude of ways to shelter your assets from being sued and from liability. Being inside an IRA, inside of a 401K, inside any kind of retirement plan, that's a
0: way to shelter annuities.
1: You have family limited partnerships. Yeah.
0: The last person that anyone should be asking about how do I shelter my assets <laughs> from potential lawsuits is an insurance salesman. Amen. 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 If you if you need to talk to a lawyer mm-hmm. about shielding assets from particular that's fr- right. from from a lawsuit. That's the only person, in my opinion, that would be qualified to answer that question. You don't go ask your mechanic about a tax question. Yeah. That's right. You don't and come to, you, you, go, you, you, you don't you come, to come to us asking about a heart problem. That's
1: right. You don't go to you your know. doctor to get your teeth cleaned. Right. So I uh, I mean, really when it comes down to the end of the day, anyone that's listening to this program that has even had the fleeting thought of buying a product like this, do yourself a huge favor. Pick up the phone, give us a call at nine zero six zero zero seven zero, and take fifteen to twenty minutes out of your life to get an education about how these things work. And that's of and any any
0: type of annuity.
1: Of any type of annuity. And I can tell you that we've had some calls, I've had some calls in the past, Jeff, of people that have heard this education that we've done in the past on annuities, and they have thanked us for making that mistake in buying these types of products. And, you know, I wanted to, to thank all of our listeners to, to sticking with us in this second hour of this weekend's MoneyWise program to get this education because we want to see the ending of the sales of these products because they are no good for, for, for nobody. I mean, they're, they're no good, period. And there should be no reason for these things to be bought. So if you want to get an education, you give us a call. And with that, I would like to thank everyone for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. Again, if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And for my father, John, and my brother, Jeff, this is Kyle Davidson saying have a fantastic weekend. And to your financial health, we will talk to you next week.